0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueredti, for this week's message. Well, good morning and happy new year. How y'all doing? I am so fired up about this series and I, I just uh, and today's message. If you missed last week, we are in a series called Overcomer, uh, and we're looking at the life of Joseph, uh, and, and the reason we decided to do this series right out of the blocks for 2020 is because as a culture and society, we are becoming soft and we're kind of losing our grittiness a little bit. This is the era of emotional support animals. I just read the other day that the San Francisco 49ers are now the first NFL team to have an emotional support dog uh, in the locker room so that when when they get run over by the 300-pound linebacker, they can go and snuggle with a dog and feel better about that. Now, I'm not against dogs. I've got a dog named Gus. I am his emotional support human. Uh, he needs me more than I need him, I think, but my wife would probably argue with that. Uh, but, but that's the reality. I mean, that, that's just never existed in culture before, and I'm not against it, and I'm not, you know, I'm not throwing shade on you. If you have an emotional support animal, that's great. Uh, it's just, the, the, it's an indication of where our culture is going. Our suicide rates continue to climb as people have a harder and harder time dealing with adversity, and that's a big deal. And the reality is God wants you to be able to walk through adversity to the other side and come out on the other side an overcomer. And there's so much in the scriptures about that, but that is, more than that, that is God's heart for your life. And in this life, we're all gonna face adversity. Now, some adversity we bring on ourselves, right? We make dumb decisions, we do dumb things, and we can bring adversity on ourselves. But none of us, even if you make perfect decisions at every turn, get through this life without going through some hard times. There are some of us right now, you are dealing with the the death of a loved one. There's nothing you could have done about that. You didn't bring that upon yourself. That just kind of comes into your life, and now you have to walk through that grief. Some of us are dealing with uh, someone else's dumb decision. Someone else took advantage of you, and now you're kind of reeling from that. You feel like, how could they violate my trust? How could they do that? to me, and you're walking through the consequences of their decisions and their actions and what they did to you. Some of us have been unjustly accused of something, and emotionally, I I mean, if you've ever been through that, either through the court system or just just in life, it is hard, and and it kind of leaves you reeling. Some of us have loved ones who are dealing with addiction. Others of us are dealing with our own addictions. And it is a tough road, at times an overwhelming and discouraging road. There are some of us who have sicknesses that we're dealing with, others of us who are raising kids with special needs or kids who have gone off the rails and are self-destructing. And I could go on and on, I could go on for the entire sermon and just continue to name scenarios, right? Because there's a lot of hard that goes on in this world, a lot of adversity. And God's passion and his desire for you is that you would come through that, not be stuck in it. None of us get off this planet without going through some of it. It's just reality. But how do we go through it well? And to to learn that, we are looking at the life of Joseph. Not Joseph of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. Not those guys. Joseph... Uh, Jacob's son, he lived 1,600 years or so before Jesus was born. He had 12 brothers. Jacob, uh, his name is changed to Israel. That's where we get the nation of Israel. That's where that, it gets its name is from Israel, from Jacob. And then the 12 sons or the 12 tribes of Israel, They each one of them, uh, uh, each tribe is named after one of the brothers. And last week we looked at, the, at, at kind of an ar- the arc of Joseph's life and that as he went through, he, he, he starts off very prideful. And, and actually the point of last week's message was that pride will get you into trouble and humility will get you out. You want to know the way through what, um, whatever difficult situation you're going through. There, there are probably a few, a few things that you're going to need to deal with and, and look at and believe. And we're going to talk about some of this stuff today and for the rest of the series. But the big thing you need to commit yourself to learning is humility. That God wants every one of us to know how to walk humbly with him and how to treat the people around us with love and respect and that requires humility on our parts. And so Joseph was learning humility and you can go back and listen to last week's or watch last week's message online. encourage you to do so if you missed it. But Joseph, as we looked at the arc of his life, uh, he starts off very prideful in a very sweet situation in his days. His dad's favorite kid. Um, Things are very, very good for him. They're very wealthy. He's very blessed. Everything's going well, except that his pride gets him into trouble with his brothers, and their hate for him grows because he's so prideful. And they end up beating him up, uh, throwing him in a pit, and then selling him to some slave traders. Now, if you haven't read the the account of all this, it's in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. I encourage you to read that this week. Uh, You'll you'll know what happens, but we're going to break down each week different parts of this. Uh, But Joseph ends up ultimately going through a very extended period of difficult things with some good things that happen along the way as well and then ends up overcoming all of that to become one of the most influential people of his day on the planet, and if you want to learn how to walk through adversity, Joseph's life is where to start to learn, and so that's what we're doing in this series. Now, this week, we find Joseph. He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. The slave traders have taken him across the desert to Egypt, and he is sold in slavery to a guy named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is one of Pharaoh's uh, officials. He's wealthy. He's got a, a really Really nice setup, Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar's the deal, and uh, Joseph ends up there. And if you think, uh, before we read what we're about to read, I want to help you get in Joseph's mindset. He's just gone from having everything to having nothing, he's gone from being a free man to being a slave. He has been rejected by his brothers, not just rejected verbally, but rejected physically, beaten up, sold into slavery. He will never see his father again, as far as he knows. He has lost everything, and he is now a slave in Egypt, a culture that he doesn't know, doesn't understand, and uh, and is dropped down into this household. And I want you to notice how Joseph responds. We're going to start in Genesis 39, verse 2. It says this The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph, by no means at this point in his life, has his act together completely. Joseph still has pride issues that are yet to be dealt with, right? But his response to this situation in his life is remarkable. Because I don't know about you, but if I had just gone through everything that he has gone through, if I had just lost everything that he had just lost, his freedom, his family, his future, all of it, his inheritance, everything, and I was physically abused and sold into slavery and plopped down in someone's house and told, all right, slave boy, do the work, I would probably want my labradoodle, you know? I mean, I would probably be curled up in a ball crying on the floor because, I mean, that's just devastating, but that's not what Joseph does. Joseph shows up and he goes to work. Joseph shows up and does his best. And Joseph is living out of some core beliefs that Joseph has. And here's what I, there's just a few points to today's message. And the first one is this. Adversity is going to happen. But adversity plus our beliefs determine ultimately our outcomes. Joseph had some core beliefs. That as they run, as adversity runs into what he believes, and he lives differently because of what he believes, it ultimately determined the outcomes in his life. What you believe is so very important as far as how things turn out. What we believe, what adversity is not really a choice, unless of course we're bringing it upon ourselves. But what we believe is a choice. Here's an example. If I believe that I'm the center of the universe and that God exists to keep me happy all the time, when hard times come, what's gonna happen to me? I'm gonna doubt that God exists. I'm gonna doubt that He loves me. I'm going to doubt, 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 and I am going to be dejected in the midst of that. That is that's a consequence for for that belief. If I believe there is no God, and that that, the pain and suffering are just random and cruel, then I am going to despair when hard times come. Because there's no no end to that really, and there's no purpose in it, it's just random. But if I believe that God is using adversity to strengthen me, that he has a plan for my life, that, that I'm living in a season, then what's going to happen in my life is I'm gonna develop character, And hope and perseverance and my faith is going to get stronger in the process. See, what you believe ultimately will determine how you go through the difficulty that you're going through. What your life looks like in the midst of it. Where you ultimately come out and who you'll be when you come out on the other side. Now what Joseph believed ultimately shaped his response to adversity. Joseph believed some core things, he learned them from his father, he believed that God was real. He believed that God was real, he believed that God had a plan for his life even though he couldn't see what it was in the moment. He believed that God was for him not against him. He believed that God was bigger than the circumstances that he faced and that enabled Joseph to show up at Potiphar's house being sold into slavery and not be a heap on the floor but to get up and go to work to get up and do his best where he was. And that ultimately will determine where Joseph ends up. He, he responds by doing his best in the situation that he's in. And, and, and it's a core biblical belief. It's through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. In the New Testament, in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul probably captures this belief most succinctly. This is what he says in Colossians three twenty three: Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. He's writing to slaves in his day. He's saying, look, you work for God. You do your best at whatever you do. If you have a boss that you don't like, you're going to still show up and you're going to do your best because that's your testimony. It's going to speak volumes about what you believe and who you are. You show up and you do your best, and that's what Joseph did. He said, as Paul goes on, he says, you're not working for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. When we show up and we shine our light, part of it is, is just how we engage, how we bloom where we're planted, so to speak. And that's what Joseph chooses to do. And because of that, he's got a pretty sweet setup. I mean, his outcome for a period of time is really awesome. I mean, it's not perfect, he's still a slave. He still has to deal with being apart from his family. It's not perfect, but boy, he gets promoted to the head of the household. I mean, he is, he's not, he's not Potiphar's still the head, but Joseph's managing everything. He gets to, term, to determine the, me, the meals and what food, and he gets the great food, he gets the great schedule, he gets all of that, and he gets the trust of his boss. And so his beliefs guided his response, which ultimately determined the outcome. And Joseph's living in a pretty sweet spot, all things considered. Now, there's adversity around the corner. I mean, it's nothing that he did. It's just one of those things that happens in life, and he's going to have to deal with it. So it's not like, hey, everything's perfect from here on out. Uh, you're gonna have to, we will have a series of adverse situations in our lives that will it, it, I hope that's not discouraging to you. That's just realistic, guys. We all do. So he he does, and, and here's what he's got going on here. In verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. That doesn't sound adverse. Uh, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Okay, this is adversity. This is adversity because. If Joseph chooses to have an adulterous affair with his, his master's wife, he's a dead man. I mean, he, he, will, he will be executed. If Potiphar were to find out, and Potiphar would find out, listen to me, if you are considering having an, an uh, extramarital affair, you will be found out. It's just a matter of time. And you might not die, but for Joseph, that certainly would have been the outcome. And for Joseph, this would have been a huge temptation. He's 20 years old. He's in the midst of his sexual prime. He's alone with her in the house often. And she's continuing to proposition him, and she would have probably been a pretty beautiful woman, being who Potiphar was who Potiphar was. But Joseph believes that that's wrong. Joseph believes that adultery is off-limits, that that sex outside of marriage is off-limits. And his beliefs drive his response. But you know what? He didn't decide those beliefs in the moment. He didn't decide those beliefs in the moment when, when she's propositioning him and they're all alone in the house together. He knew that before he got in that situation. Guys, you want to pre-decide your beliefs before you need them. Pre-decide your beliefs before you need them. You do not want to decide what your sexual boundaries are when you're in the back seat of the car. No. You want to know before you get there, which would probably keep you out of the back seat of the car, but don't decide that in the moment in the heat of the moment. Don't decide what your ethical boundaries are, whether you're going to be a truth teller or not, when your boss is asking you to fudge the numbers on the quarterly reports. You need to know that before you get there because you might have a hard decision to make, but if you already know what you're gonna do, you already know what you believe, that's not so hard. And that's what Joseph did. If you were a student, you don't want to decide whether you're going to cheat on the test when your neighbor's like, hey, look at this. You want to know beforehand so that when you get in that moment, you don't, you're not tempted to go the wrong way. And that's what Joseph did. In, in verse 8, it says, but he refused. He refused to, to go with her. He said, with me in charge, she told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. He trusts me. No, And that's one of the outcomes of Joseph choosing to live a life of integrity when he gets to Egypt. He's trusted. No one is greater in this house than I am, he says. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. She is propositioning him daily. Come on, big boy, come on. And Joseph, I mean, the 20 year old young man, and he is sticking to his principles. He's sticking to what he believes. And part of how he does that is he sets boundaries. He's like, I'm not going to be alone with her. If she's the only one in the house, I'm just going to steer clear of the house. Yes, that's inconvenient. But I'm not going in there by myself. And, and, and listen to me. If you're, if you're single and you're in the, like the dating scene, set some boundaries. Like don't get into the back seat. Like we're not going to cuddle in bed together. Honestly, it's, it's, it's just it's all, you know, right. Because those boundaries will blow right, you'll blow right by them. You got to know where, where your boundaries are and our boundaries help us live out our beliefs. Our boundaries are not there, God's boundaries for our lives and the boundaries that we set, they're not there to restrict us. They're there to protect us. They're there to help us live the best life possible. If you're married, And their coworker is flirting with you and you kind of like the way that makes you feel. Or there's an old friend from high school that's messaging you on on social media and you kind of like the way that makes you feel. You might want to set a boundary and say, you know what, I'm just going to run away. I don't need that relationship. My marriage is worth more to me. Boundaries will help you in this. But if you don't pre-decide what you believe, then you'll never set the boundaries. Joseph does both. He does both, and he does them well, and it helps him to live what he ultimately believes. And guys, listen to me. How you deal with temptation, how you deal with temptation will speak volumes to the world about what you actually believe. How you deal with work will speak volumes to the world about what you actually believe. How you deal with adversity and difficulty will speak volumes. People are looking at how we live more than what we say. And our beliefs determine our behavior, which ultimately will dictate our outcome. Well, Joseph, Joseph ultimately gets thrown into prison. And, um, and, and we would think, well, that's a, that's a bad thing, right? Let's, let's read on in, in, in verse 39, I'm sorry, in chapter 39, verse 11, this is what happens. It says, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties. Now, we, we can assume that he has no idea that she is alone in the house. But he, he obviously thinks there's somebody else in there. But that's not the case. So he goes into the house and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. She's kind of got a one-track mind. Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He had pre decided that adultery was not just a sin against Potiphar, but a sin against God. And he was going to have nothing to do with it. And he runs away. Now, ultimately, I would argue that this saves his life. And you're like, well, what do you mean? he gets thrown into prison forever, like there's no end date to that. But ultimately, it saved his life. It preserved his life because because of how he chose to behave in regards to how he believed. He gets thrown into prison and that seems really bad, but the problem is, not the problem, but the reality is, is that Potiphar should have had him executed, right? But my guess is Potiphar goes to Joseph and says, you know, Hotiphar, his wife Hotiphar, that's her name, and uh, it's not actually in the Bible, I just made that up, but... At any rate, it's like, I've got his cloak, and he tried to rape me, and you need to do something about your out-of-control slave. But Potiphar has been watching Joseph. She, He knows Joseph's character. He knows that Joseph has been a, a, a man of integrity all the way along. He knows that Joseph has told him the truth all the way along. And so when he goes to Joseph and goes, you know, she just accused you, and, and Joseph's like, that did not happen. Here's what happened. I think... Potiphar was inclined to believe Joseph. He probably also knew the character of his wife and was inclined to believe Joseph. And he couldn't do nothing, so rather than having him executed, he throws him in jail, which was all part of the bigger plan, guys. But see, Joseph's beliefs determined his behavior, which also ultimately determined the outcome. His life is spared and he will ultimately rescue his family and everyone who lives in that region of the world and ultimately the bloodline of Jesus the Messiah who is to come. It's a lot of responsibility to carry. But what, how he believed impacted what he, how he behaved, which impacted where he ended up ultimately. And I'm here to tell you that adversity plus your beliefs will determine your outcome. So the question is, what do do overcomers believe? What do overcomers believe? Now, as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's all kinds of things that we believe. We get together every weekend and we study the Bible and we look at what he taught us and what he believed. And we try and apply those things to our lives and get those beliefs inside of us. And we get together in life groups throughout the year to talk about those things and and help live those things out together and get them deep inside of us. It's, It's good stuff. And there's beliefs about all kinds of different things. But specifically when it comes to adversity, what do overcomers believe? Now in your program, you got this fun little bookmark. I don't know how fun it is, but it says things that overcomers believe. And there's six beliefs with scriptures that are associated with each one. I want to encourage you to keep this. Don't just throw this part away. Take this home, put it in your Bible, tape it to the refrigerator, put it on your dashboard. Read these scriptures. Learn these beliefs because these will help you as you go through whatever you're going through. But let's break them down. What What are we talking about? what do overcomers believe the first one is simply this overcomers believe that adversity is preparation adversity is preparation this was preparation for Joseph for what he needed to do he would ultimately have an enormous amount of responsibility if Spoiler alert, when you get to the end of the story, he's promoted to to like Pharaoh's right-hand man. He is one of the most powerful people in the world. He saves everybody like I talked about. He's got a lot to carry and he is going to need some character and perseverance and some other things to be able to carry that weight when he gets there. It's preparation. You guys have all heard the expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, that's mostly right. That's mostly right. Think about it. Exercise is just planned adversity. <laughs> we, we, we put our bodies under stress and strain and we stretch our muscles and we will even rip little micro tears in our muscles and they get stronger and our perseverance and our resilience get stronger and we get healthier and that's a preparation for what's next, right? That, that strengthens us to live a healthier life. That strengthens us to be more vital in how we live. The Apostle Paul captures this sentiment in the spiritual and the mental realm. He says this in Romans 5, verse 3 We also glory in our sufferings. Now, I used to read this passage and think, he's nuts. What do you mean we glory in our sufferings? I had no understanding of this whatsoever. I mean, is he a sadomasochist? What's the deal? No, he, de- he doesn't glory in his sufferings for the sake of suffering. He glories in his sufferings because of what it produces in his life. He goes on, he goes, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And I've seen that in my life. As I've gone through the hard, hardest things in my life, I, have, I can now look back and go, Wow. Man, I can take so much more. I am so much stronger than I was before I went through that. I can handle so much more now than I could beforehand. It it produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. Again, we learn humility. We learn integrity. We learn the things that really matter in the fire, not when things are going well. And ultimately... That character will produce in us hope because as we come out on the other side, our faith is strengthened because we can look back and go, wow, God had his hand in this whole thing. Like I would never choose to go through that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this from people. I would never choose to go through that or walk through that hell, but what that has produced in me and where it has got me, there's no way I could have orchestrated it and I wouldn't want it any other way. And your faith is built and your hope is built. And the next time you go through adversity, it's like you're looking at it completely different because God is good for it. He knows what he's doing. And our character is strengthened and our perseverance is increased. God is preparing Joseph for his assignment. He's going to need the character. He's going to need the endurance to lead at the level that he is about to lead at. And he does the same thing in you and he does the same thing in me. And guys, when we understand that adversity is preparation, our suffering isn't meaningless. It makes all the difference in the world. Second belief, God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. Joseph believed this. Again, this isn't meaningless. God's up to something bigger. I might not be able to see what it is, but he knows what it is. Jeremiah 29, 11. this is a... A promise of God to the people of Israel, but it's a principle as well that we find, again, throughout Scripture. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prom- prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has good for you. He has a plan for your life, a purpose for you. It doesn't mean that we get through life without, without hard times and difficulty. But it sure makes getting through those hard times and those difficulties make a little bit of sense. When I was in college, I transferred from Shepherd College, did my first two years over in Shepherd, uh, and it was, like, it was like college utopia. I had so much fun. I love Shepherd. And then uh, my junior year I transferred to the State University of New York in Syracuse, New York. Anybody ever been to Syracuse? Well, good. Um, it's, it's awful. I mean, <laughs> I hated Syracuse. 35 days of sunshine a year in Syracuse, New York. Like this weather pattern sets up over Syracuse so that it's just gray skies all the time. I mean, it's enough to, it's, it's enough to make the most optimistic person depressed. And then most of the people were from down around... Um, You know, New York City and and that area, and that's just a different culture, and I just had a hard time connecting. And by my second semester, I'm like, I just want to go back. I just want out. Like, I know God has a plan, and I believe I'm supposed to be here, but this is hard. And and I discovered something in the midst of all that, um, something called the net. This was before the Internet. Uh, something called the National Outdoor Leadership School in Lander, Wyoming, and I, I got their catalog, and I'm like, and you can get college credit for going backpacking for 95 days? I'm in. <laughs> but my, my university didn't accept the credit, so I had to go to the, the dean, and I petitioned the dean, and I'm like, you gotta let me go. <laughs> I think he saw the desperation in my eyes. Like, I gotta get out of Syracuse. And uh, at any rate, Ultimately, they agreed to take the credit, and my third semester, I was able to go out to Wyoming and backpack for 95 days and learn all about outdoor leadership, which, if you know my story at all, this was a huge pivot point in where God was taking me. And, and, and I wouldn't be standing before you today had, that not, had I not hung in there knowing that God had a plan, that he was going to work out that plan. I wouldn't have met my wife, Christy. I wouldn't have my kids. I mean, there's so many things about my life, but God has a plan. And even when things seem desperate, God still has a plan. That belief is, I tell you, that's money when you're going through it. Belief number three, God is for me. God is for me. I think Joseph believed this think Joseph believed this. He knew it was true. His dad taught him. Romans 8, 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? The implication there is God is for you. How for you is God? Paul goes on. He says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You want to know how for you God is? Look at the cross. He sacrificed his own son for you because he is for you God is for you this belief is so powerful if you can get it in here belief number four the best is yet to come the best is yet to come we live in such a negative culture guys In the Ohio Valley specifically, I mean, we've been in kind of an economic malaise for about 75 years, and so everybody everybody just kind of expects more of the same. And yet I believe a very solid biblical belief, I believe what is true about God and who he is is that the best is yet to come in our lives. And that makes all the difference when you're in the worst, doesn't it? Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. What it's not saying is that all things are good. The disease you're dealing with, that's not good. The the, the death of a loved one that you're dealing with, that's that's, that's not good. Uh, Your job loss, whatever it is. Whatever bad thing you're dealing with, ultimately God is working behind the scenes in the big picture to bring you to a good place. And that's part of getting you there. That's what this scripture says. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Galatians 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The best is yet to come. Harvest is the best part, right? Harvest is where, where we celebrate. Harvest is where we reap the blessing of for all the work that has gone into getting there. The best is yet to come. And this belief will keep you healthy up here. It will keep you healthy in here. It will give you the strength to draw on, to navigate the difficult. Parts of life that you're dealing with. Belief number five, always do the right thing and trust God for the results. Joseph did this. Joseph chose to act with integrity at every turn. To be honest. To not not have an adulterous affair. To show up and work hard. to, to, To do the right thing wherever he was. And ultimately, guys, this pays off in our lives. You will come into circumstances where you're going to game it out in your head and you're going to be like, well, if I just lie here, then this will go away and then we can just kind of move forward and it'll all be fine. Don't do it. Do the right thing. And ultimately, God will get you to where you need to be. Proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, when you find yourself in a situation, you're trying to war game out how you can get out of it. And your war gaming requires you to lie or cheat or steal or go back on your word or whatever else. Don't do it. Do the right thing. Do what God has told you to do. He says, in all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. You might not see how you get from here to there but do the right thing and God will get you to where you need to be. Again, this is what happens in Joseph's life. He does the right thing. It saves his life. Right? He does the right thing in the next situation. It saves his life. It does the right thing in the next situation. He ends up being promoted to second in command so always do the right thing you can't see the big picture God can and he's good for it he'll get you where you need to be belief number six God is always with me now I can tell you from personal experience when I'm going through the hard stuff it's easy to begin to believe the lie that God isn't with you been there Like, why why am I going through this? If you're real, then why am I I feeling this? Or why am I not feeling your presence? But he's always with you. He's always with you. Jesus promised. This is a promise you can go to the bank on. Jesus said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's not going to leave you. There will be moments where you're like, but I don't feel you. He's still there. And sometimes you have to pre-decide what you believe because your feelings are going to lie to you in that moment and you hold on to, Jesus, and know you're with me. I know the best is yet to come. I know that if I do the right thing, ultimately it's going to work out and maybe not right away, but eventually. And i got to pre-decide. That God is good and that he loves me and that he's for me and all of these things and if you can get these beliefs deep down in here and you can pre-decide that that is truth and I'm telling you these are truths it will change how you walk through the difficulties that you will face and you will come out ultimately an overcomer And I can't tell you if that will be tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or next decade. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you, ultimately, God will make your path straight. God will get you to where you're going. And God will bless your life as you learn to persevere and develop character and your faith grows deep. Now, the right beliefs in the midst of adversity, ultimately bring positive outcomes. That I know is true. What do you believe? Let me encourage you this week, guys, take that, take that bookmark home, read those beliefs, read the scriptures over and over and over again. If you're going through difficult times right now, read it until you're through. Get those things inside you. That's part of the character that God wants to form in your life through this time. And if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're just kind of checking out church and checking out God, maybe you're going through a hard time and that's why you're here in the first place. The first step to navigating hard times well, the first step to navigating life well, is a relationship with God. And he truly did love you and does love you so much and wants a relationship with you so much that he sent his only son to come and die in your place because the payment for your mistakes and your wrongdoings was death. And Jesus died in our place so that we could live, so that we could be forgiven, so all our shame and guilt could be washed away, so we can have a relationship with God, so that you can have a relationship with God. And he wants that more than anything else in the whole world. And if you have not placed your life in his hands, if you've not placed your faith in his hands, you can do that right now. And I want to invite you to do that. And so I'm going to ask that we all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you want to take that step of faith today, you can just pray with me right now. Just in the quiet of your mind, you can say something like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming after me. Thank you for dying in my place. I believe. Will you come into my life? Will you forgive my sins? Will you teach me how to live and how to follow you? Will you help me through what I'm going through now? I choose now to follow you. In your name. Amen thanks again for joining us here at the vineyard it's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that in addition to these podcasts please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling Sunday mornings at 930 and 1115 and experience these encouraging messages some incredible music and so much more in person we would love to meet you again thanks for joining us this week we'll see you next time